What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you check out the link in the episode notes i also put it in my instagram bio in the link tree click that link and it'll give you 30 percent off your first year of service super stoked to have distro kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing let's start the episode What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast. And just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Give it five stars on Spotify. Tell a friend about the podcast and check out the monthly playlist that I've been dropping every first of the month. Those are available on Apple Music and Spotify. Links for those are in the episode notes. Hope everyone is doing well out there. I am stoked to share this week's conversation with Portland-based producer Michael Reese, aka Slurgeon. I started to get to know him post-height of the, the COVID stuff when things started opening up again. Just have gotten to know him or become familiar with him from running in some of the same circles and seeing him out at shows. And we've been talking about jumping on the mics for a while, so I'm pumped that we finally did it. And this was such a killer chat. 
I learned a lot about his psyche behind making music and just loved hearing him talk about his craft and the things that continue to inspire him to make music as well as some of the things that have inspired him along the way. He's producing some great music, including a new collection of tunes titled Tulpa, which if you are listening to this conversation after the release date, the entire project is out on all the streaming services via Stylus. And throughout this conversation, you will hear some tracks from that Tulpa project, as well as Slurgeon's two other available LPs. I told Slurge after we recorded this conversation yesterday, that it was uh, a much needed one for me and definitely filled a cup that has felt a bit diminished this uh, this past week. For anyone that tuned in last week, I uh, talked briefly in the intro about my excitement about my new studio office space that I have started moving into, but unfortunately, a week into getting my things over there, it got broken into and I've lost quite a bit. Luckily, I have insurance and things are in motion on that. And I'm hoping it's not a big hassle getting a check from them to cover the losses. But because this happened amidst my move, I just continue to find things that are missing. And I did not realize until Sunday night how much of my record collection had been taken. And last night, I realized my DJ controller had been snatched and my micro machine. So just a lot of up and down over here right now and trying to not get too pulled down by feeling defeated. So big thanks to Slurge for this chat. It was great to hang and really my first time to get some one-on-one time with this dude. And uh, today I am, I'm proudly working from the, the studio space. This is the first episode that I edited in the studio space and I'm recording the intro right now from the space. So that feels good and, and feels feels like a positive thing going on. So a couple dates to mention before we get into this thing. First off, Slurgeon is one of the curators for one of Portland's monthly music showcases called Thirsty City. It is put on by him and past guests of the podcast, Northern Draw. It's been going on nearly 10 years and there's one tomorrow night on November 29th. They have a monthly residency over at the Goodfoot in Southeast Portland And also on December 27th, that is another Thirsty City event over there at the Goodfoot. And that is going to be Slurgeon's release show. So keep Thirsty City in mind. We chat about it a bit in this episode. And on December 7th, just a week away or so, I am throwing my sixth annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party over at Church Bar on Sandy. In the past, these have been Billings Live Music more of a ticketed concert event, but I wanted to do something that was more of a hang this year and and more of just the, hopefully the community kind of coming together and all of the the folks that I've uh, come across doing this podcast and and friends of the cast and all the amazing artists that uh, make this, this city so great. So this year is a free event over at Church Bar with DJ sets from Love Jones, who's the founder and curator for A Beat Happening another killer showcase here in Portland and the before mentioned Northern draw will close out the night. I just wanted to highlight those guys this year because they spend so much of their time putting other people on. And I know that a beat happening and thirsty city are places that a lot of people got their, uh, their start and their first opportunities to uh, play their music in the live setting. So I'm stoked for it and I'll be middling the night 
with like an hour long DJ set of my own. So if you see that poster and you're like, who the fuck is this Ernie Moose guy? That's me. That's my DJ moniker. And aside from that, lots of past guests of the show are mentioned in this episode. So if you dig this one, cycle back to the uh, the old Grape God episode or episode 250 with uh, Kip, a.k.a. Northern Draw. Spinach has been on multiple times. Something Something Brax was one of my favorite episodes from last year. So there's a bunch to, to dive into if you're you're new to the cast and all the links for Slurgeon, Thirsty City, and Stylus Records will be in the episode notes. And with that, we are going to get in to episode 387 with Slurgeon, and we're gonna kick off the episode with a track from his new Tulpa EP. This one is called Just the Same. Let's do the damn thing. shows the last like for sure I don't know, maybe a couple years or so you yeah. know but aside from rubbing shoulders at shows i've never had the opportunity to i don't know sit down and like actually have a conversation with you and, yeah yeah you know. it feels feels like an overdue chat yeah, for sure absolutely yeah, yeah. so i'm excited for this oh, um yeah. so 
you know, take me back to the to the beginnings. Um, talk to me about where you grew up and uh, what you remember about falling in love with music, like or developing a, a fascination with it, like uh -huh. either from a, a listening standpoint or from a, as a creator. Yeah, well, um, let's see. I mean, I was definitely always like pretty crazy about music. Like favorite movie growing up was La Bamba. Okay. I wore that fucking VHS down. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember like at an early age, I heard, um, suck MCs on the radio at one point, And I just never heard, you know, drums like that. And I was like, yo, <laughs> like, I was like, this is tight. Like, what's this all about? Just, and that, you know, that stuff captured my imagination. I had an older sister with um, some pretty cool friends uh, that, like, could see that I was into music and would turn me on to, you know, stuff. Like, that's how I got, like, like, I ended up with a with a cassette of, like, introducing, you know, like, pretty shortly after it okay. came out. I was, like, you know, 12 or something. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Just getting put on by the, yeah, by yeah. the older kids. And, you know, real crazy about, like, Rage Against the Machine, Beck, and then I discovered like warp records. I was kind of like a troubled teen, you could say. And like, yeah, I got in trouble for smoking some weed and had to go to like NA meetings. But like the <laughs> sponsor guy that I ended up kind of hanging with uh, was a huge Aphex Twin fan. Okay. And like, and got me into that. Digging into the, the, the angsty shit. Yeah. And, and just the, the weird stuff. Yeah, and I yeah. think I was like attracted to being just kind of weird in general and like and i kind of felt that way and then i just leaned leaned into it so you know when i yeah. heard stuff like that that just really really captured the imagination and just like how is this even made yeah. um i mean still i listen to like I'll, I'll, I'll listen to window liquor like today and be like i don't know how i'd do this with a modern doll let alone with hardware 20 years ago <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like draws you towards things that are like experimental or maybe on the weirder side of things i'm not sure um i mean i've always been like kind of the weirdo of the family you know like i wouldn't say the black sheep even though that's like a story i told myself for a while but like uh you know it was a little bit of a fuck up like and um i i just i kind of enjoyed setting myself apart in a certain way okay. you know i i just kind of gravitated towards stuff that I just found interesting, you know? I mean, like I've said over and over, it captured my imagination. Like, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta speak to that if I'm really going to listen super yeah. hard. But it was always like pretty wide as far as like the range of things you were listening yeah. to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, my parents went to, uh, met in Peace Corps in the seventies. And so we, I grew up with a and they met in Brazil. Um, and I grew up with a lot of Brazilian music, uh, in the house and like, um, that's kind of like where my record collection started was just like listening to my parents, like Joe Beam, uh, records and, and, you know, uh, Gilberto Gil and, you know, just getting turned on to a yeah. bunch of stuff that has like wild percussion and yeah, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Where, where was this all, uh, going on? Uh, Washington DC. Okay. Were you going to like shows as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I went to, I mean, like there were a lot, the punk scene was, you know, the DC punk scene. It's yeah. pretty legendary. Yeah. Um, and like Fugazi would do free shows at Fort Reno park, um, every summer. And so I got to like the, like I got to go to a couple of those at a pretty young age and yeah. like that was tight. You, you know, just got was, like all the wild counterculture shit going yeah, just, on. Just the energy too, you know? And I think the energy was what 
was what I liked so much about it. I had no idea what counterculture was at that yeah. time, you know, but I was like, oh, these people are weird and they get down. So, you know, um, <laughs> I was like, this is cool. Yeah. And then like I bounced around as a teenager a little bit. Like I went, you know, I got eh, shipped off to some degree and, and, uh, but then like coming home and getting back, back into DC and like, you know, getting involved in like the underground hip hop scene there. And then also going out to a lot of punk shows and there's a, uh, well, I mean, there's just a, DC is a very, uh, diverse city, um, culturally, ethnically. Um, and it's something I really took for granted growing up there, but like, you know, I mean like shit, when I was in my early twenties, I'd play shows with my rap group, me and my, my homie Artemis from DC, shout out if you're listening. Um, and you know, we'd be on the bill with like, uh, kind of, a like a folk project might open and then like, you know, there'd be like some, you may be like, you know, a DJ playing dancey stuff. Yeah. And then we do our like weird left field rap shit. And then like our homies, like math metal band would go on to close <laughs> the night. So, um, and you know, we were all like a lot of us, a lot of us worked in the service industry and then just knew a bunch of people. So it was just this big scene with like everybody involved and it wasn't so fractured. Like it feels in Portland sometimes yeah. for sure. Would you see maybe someone like, like Odyssey? coming up in that that scene yeah yeah um odyssey damu the fudge monk uh diamond district you know xoyu um yeah i was going to like i'd say it was after i was out of high school um i started going maybe like i was like 19 or 20 actually when i started going to true school and that's where i met a lot of cats and like just big indie hip-hop true school was like a, a weekly event that was like a cypher at this uh, record store on U Street, right across from uh, famous Ben's Chili Bowl. And uh, yeah, it was just like upstairs called Capital City Records and like, and just the the hip hop community was, that was like a center of it. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I met a lot of cool folks there and I had already kind of, you know, started rapping, like a definitive Jux really captured my imagination. I had like, I had, I had a friend, uh, my boy Ollie like turned me on when I was like, you know, 11, 12 to a lot of great underground hip hop, he'd like record tapes of Stretch and Bobbito. And then, and then, um, you know, I mean, he had a great CD collection, just put me onto a lot of stuff. Like the first time I heard Company Flow was like a life changing experience. But yeah, so, you know, I mean, like doing, doing the hip hop scene there, still going out for punk stuff and like, yeah. and some dance nights and electronic music. But that was definitely my thing. And I really wanted to rap. I just like, I wanted to like, get signed to definitive jumps, you know, <laughs> like, uh, that was the pipe dream. Uh, then, what, what was like your entry into like actually creating music? Like did the rapping um, come before anything or were there like any instruments in the, the no, house growing up or anything like that? There's a piano and like I had a guitar, like I, uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 13 or so when I learned like all the riffs to Rage Against the Machines first album and I was like I have mastered this instrument you know (laughs) (laughs) couldn't even touch the solos or or let alone you know or approach the guitar tones but you know I was like I got the riff to freedom down yeah yeah like what drop D like let's go yeah so that didn't like exactly hold your attention once you you kind of like nothing got my attention for very long um like I I was I was one of those kids that like did well on tests that studying too much, like couldn't exactly explain yeah. my work, but got to it. And like, you know, I like pulled off decent grades with pretty minimal effort. Like I'd flunk anything that required like real effort. And then, <laughs> but, you know, I did, did well on the test. So like, and that kind of applied to a lot of my life as far as like not 
really putting the work in super hard you can get by one thing in particular yeah gotcha um something i've really tried to change as an adult yeah um <laughs> so like what happens after kind of moving past the guitar is that when the um, infatuation with like wanting to learn how to rap and uh, the rapping came later. I started messing around with Reason. Um, okay. And this is like Reason 1.0. And then when 2.0 came out, it was like a massive deal um, as far as like just an upgrade. And, you know, and it was the days of like crack software and LimeWire. And, and um, yeah, so I started messing around with that a lot and just kind of like, you know, trying to make some rap beats, trying to figure out how the hell like IDM or drum and bass worked and like, and uh, and then I got like real real into writing writing raps like really around the time that um, like Def Jux was just like really cracking off um, with those like first collections in the Cannibal Ox like my CD player was just a Cannibal Ox player for a year um, but yeah so I you know I started rapping and then what I really got into beats was when I got tired of hanging out with rappers um, <laughs> and <laughs> and I was just like. Yeah, I can, I can like do the, do the parts that I like the best myself, which is like boisterous drums and like, you know, and noisy, noisy samples and stuff like that. For sure. um, So you didn't need anybody to facilitate your ideas when it came to like wanting to rap. You could just make your own beats and had a lot of time to kind of like work on that shit. Kind of. Honestly, I never really recorded too much on my own beats though, because I had like, I had some homies that were good producers um dude i met over myspace that lived in new zealand that is today one of my still very close friends he lives in london now we chat all the time and like you know a dude that i met when i was down at full sale which was a joke um oh you did the full sale thing uh, i mean i I, I didn't finish i signed up for it yeah yeah yeah. i didn't (laughs) you dodged a bullet Uh, yeah Yeah. um, it's it seems like so (laughs) scam yeah yeah Yeah. that's all i mean i did uh, after that go to university of phoenix so i got my scam oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you traded one scam for another degree from university of phoenix is really useful (laughs) nice yeah Hell, I don't even think a bachelor's degree from Harvard is useful in this, this day and age. Like, you're true, what? You true. Can, yeah, you're a barista. Yeah. <laughs> so were you uh, were you always surrounded by a lot of people working on music, or, or was a lot of it done in solitude? Uh, yeah, on? I mean, well, I just gravitated towards artists, I yeah. think. And just like, I mean, I was I was also like, I was really into painting and collaging and, and illustration. And, okay. Um, just I just always felt like a deep need on a cellular level to express myself and maybe that was just like pay attention to me but it was also like i think i've got some things to say but i'm not sure what you know yeah so yeah and then like yeah i just gravitated towards the creative guys you know and yeah i mean that's still how i've met and know like you know 90 percent of the people that are in my life yeah absolutely Um, so when did it uh you got past the rat, like you, you, you didn't want to hang out with the rappers anymore. Yeah, yeah. Is that I mean, no, no shade, but yeah, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of egos and big personalities in the room. I was like, oh, these beat guys seem a lot more chill. <laughs> and was there a, a lot of that going on, like in the in the city? Yeah, as there were some. Like, there were producer battles uh, okay. every, you know, maybe like quarter at True School, which was um, 
very, very cool. And like, I didn't feel like I was on the level to compete, but I had, I had a homie lived in North Carolina who I thought was, and like, he came up and like, he, I recorded like my first rap shit with him. Okay. Um, we had like a group we called solid States, which was just me and him, but, um, yeah, a talented guy for sure. I met him at, I met him at full sale actually during my brief, brief tenure there. So you got to see people doing the thing though, in the live setting and like be exposed to these Mm -hmm. like beat maker showcases. Yeah. I, I worked uh I worked a whole summer for seven dollars an hour, you know, stocking shelves at a shitty grocery store and saved up and found a decent deal for on eBay for a Roland MV eight thousand. Okay. And that was my first beat machine. That was your game changer. Yeah, yeah. That's a cumbersome bitch of a but thing. Honestly, I probably would have been better off just sticking with software. But um, you know, I mean I saw the cats on NPCs, and I was like, I want one of those. Yeah. And I did some reading and I was like, oh, the Roland's actually kind of more powerful and way harder to use. So yeah, I'll do that. But yeah, and that that's that's what was doing it, you know. Yeah. So were you uh were you drawn just as much to wanting to figure out how to perform live as you were wanting to just record music? Yeah, I mean I, I definitely uh, I mean, especially with the rapping, like I loved, I loved to get on the mic, you know, anytime I could. And I, I think I got pretty decent at it at a time, but I really ran out of things I wanted to say. I don't even think I knew that you rapped <sighs> until I was listening to that soft lunch track that you do with, uh, with Kit. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah Cause I, I mean, anytime I've ever seen mm-hmm. you perform, it's just been you doing yeah. instrumental stuff. I pretty, I pretty rarely bring the bars out <laughs> these days. Um, like, you know, Tron and, and Smythe and Brax are always just like, yo, come on, let me get a Slurgeon verse. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm way, way past that. If you catch me when I'm like a little hype of manic and have that kind of energy, I'll, <laughs> I'll come in and scream into your mic for a little bit. But, uh, I mean, I know that soft loads track is like seven years old, but yeah. I, I thought it was, I don't know. I was, I was like, oh, fuck, this is slurge rapping. Right? This is dope. Wasn't a phenom, but I was, I was all right at it. Son, I drop a deuce of hot truth in the sauna of a box booth. Now I'm on broth noodles and cops a hoppy brew. What's happening? I'm having tea with a chatty cat in a tree. Turns out I got a knack for tinfoil haberdashery. And in waking dreams, I'm getting chased by pink laser beams. Black helicopters and CIA surveillance teams. I'm talking time and strut the desert sand, sand rhythm. Walk the line between a waterboarding and a baptism composed solely with black keys bass lines and crack schemes heard them through the grapevine the snakes wires and bad dreams i caught the train to the nearest bodega in a day so what, what kind of move do you pass wanting to put your energy into actually rapping was it just not feeling like you i just really fell in love with production i okay. just like i like the process and i mean to be honest like as a producer i was i spent you know, 20 years chasing LP's sound. And like after 20 years of doing it, you know, by the time I was like 36, 37, I was about as good as he was when he was 20 years old. So, (laughs) uh, you know, like, uh, Oh, that's amazing. And, uh, and then, you know, I put, I put that first album, the Phantods out, which I'm still pretty proud of. But uh, at the end of that, I was like, I'm done with the sample based, like hip hop beats. Like, and I, you know, I was starting to collect synths and, and uh, I was like, okay, it's time to get to use these. I switched over to Ableton from working in machine for years. And I was really intimidated by Ableton. I was always just really intimidated by the kind of music I really wanted to make, which was like weird electronic shit. Um, Cause I just couldn't fathom how to do it. Even though I was like 
relatively fluent with software like Reason. Um, and you just, were like educated in that music, like at least yeah, like yeah. you were listening to it frequently. So for sure. And I just, I just didn't. Um, I guess I just didn't believe I could do something that like complex or whatever. But I was just ready to lean into really experimenting, you know. And yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how like Television Sky. I mean it was a huge shift uh, in my sound from from the album before. Uh, you know, just like leaning leaning into synthesis and like you know still fucking up some drum breaks and such. But um, and then like you know and switching to Ableton, like I had been, you know, it had been a, a couple years of collaborating and building a friendship with Alex Meltzer and working with Omari Jazz. And I had no idea how much I was learning uh, by osmosis in those situations because they were always in the driver's seat with Ableton. And I was like, all right, let me let me tap something in here. Let me you know do a little thing. Okay, let's try it yeah. this way. And they'd just be like, you know, and, and get it done. I'm like, oh, damn, I'll never be this good. And then I sat down and started like really doing Ableton shit. And I was like, wait, whoa, I, I know what's going Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, what the fuck? You know, how'd that happen? And I, I would definitely credit a lot of sessions with Meltzer on that. Um, we've got, God, we got to release it. We've got a, an album that's been mastered and sequenced for two years now and we haven't put it out yet um and probably like another 40 or so tracks that we made together but so was it mostly just being around him watching him do his thing or were, were there like times where you would actually be like all right melts like teach me yeah i mean he'd this, show like... me some stuff and i mean it was like you know the, i mean we were like full-on collabing but like i did not feel comfortable being in the Ableton driver's seat, yeah. you know, but just, yeah, watching him work and just like getting and just getting for a feel for like how we do arrangements and stuff like that. And then being like, all right, what key are we in? Okay. What notes? Okay. And then like, you know, I'd like tap in something on my OP one, like, and, uh, um, or like, you know, I mean, a big thing was like picking samples and a lot of times I'd be like, wait, I think I got something for this. And I grab something and he'd be like, that's already in key. And I'm just like, Oh, cool. Like I've got, I've got near for it, I guess, you know, I'd imagine it's nice, like collaborating with someone like Meltzer working with Omari, like these, these heavy hitters yeah. in the scene. And like, if you feel like you can kind of keep up or, or yeah. hang or, you yeah, know, totally. like contribute something yeah. that is, uh, is solid is like validating yeah. to your, to your process. Oh, for sure. And like, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, the music has been in my head, you know, and it's, it's there, like, uh, it's just like getting it out, you know? tricky yeah and like and the first time you sit down and look at ableton you're like what the fuck is this i mean there's just a million ways to do the same thing you know and like and it's just like a lot of stuff but you know you just get a workflow pretty pretty quickly if you sit down and do it for a couple hours a day but you're thinking like thinking about what you were talking about earlier of, of just like the attention span or like just getting bored with things yeah. quickly is that do you feel like that the Ableton thing is like helpful in that way that there are so many things to like dive into where yeah it wasn't like the guitar where you're just like well I've got this mastered yeah 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 totally um like there's always more to learn I mean and there is with an instrument too there's there's always you can always level up but with Ableton it's like and you know any, I mean any kind of DAW work um it's I mean the there's just infinite depth um, yeah. you know, and if you really learn everything about Ableton, guess what? Max MSP, like, <laughs> like you got a whole, whole new world with even more possibilities. How necessary do you think it was like the building blocks of like doing something like the, the Fantods album of like, you know, you said you kind of got, 
you were like, I'm done with sampling or, uh-huh. you know, like, do you feel like that was a, a necessary part of the process? Like it was important for you to, yeah. Well, I had learn to complete, I had to complete something that yeah. was, that was really it. I mean, I've, I've made a couple thousand sample based beats, I'm sure, you know, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, putting a body of work together, finishing it, that was nothing I'd ever done before. Love that, that cat nose. Yeah. Track yeah. from that record is so good. Oh, word. Thank you, man. today and like the last couple of days just you know doing the deep dive on the catalog refreshing my memory yeah, on some sure. things and yeah um just kind of seeing it's cool to see you know the that project and uh, the full length of that followed that one and then this new ep just to yeah. like kind of see the progression and just to also like it's very clear within those that you do not want to repeat yourself yeah with a project yeah um, yeah, I didn't. Um, actually, you know, I should say like after the Fantads thing, after that came out, wait, no, it was before that came out when Doom's death was announced in nine days, I assembled an album of Doom remixes like that I put together. That one hit me hard. I think I was like in an emotionally vulnerable place when that happened too. But I mean, you know, Doom, Doom's a top five yeah. for sure. Um, very... Yeah, he's MF Doom. I don't, I don't need to say much more. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I put that together and that gave me like a lot of momentum to just finish this and I was because yeah. I was already messing around making stuff that was definitely a different body of work and I was like no no you have to put this fucking out and yeah. like get it done and then then dive fully in you know what do you uh what do you think you learned from working on remixes you oh I like, love doing remixes feel like that, man like, I don't know yeah Just, well, I've, I mean like it's a great place to start and I, I mean there and there are certain I mean you know I'm not really a pop music guy but I mean you know I mean like yeah, I mean, shit is undeniable, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and like, um, I think it's a really fun place to start when I'm feeling like, you know, in kind of a, oh, fuck around and just have some fun mood or, you know, something will pop up and I'll be like, oh yeah, that was a banger back in the day. Like, let's see if I can find an acapella. Now you can do like, you know, AI stem splitting, with, which is whew, it's so tight. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, you know, when I don't know what to do sometimes, I'll just be like, all right, well, this is a dope song. Let's, you know, I bet I could flip this. And, um, and then, you know, I've got those two, uh, I've got the two like dialectic fuck jams, uh, ridiculous title that my friend Kim came up with. <laughs> um, uh, collections. I'm actually, I just put in the order yesterday. Those are getting pressed to cassette, so I should have them ready for my show. I'm playing, uh, uh, like thirsty city, December, December 27th. I built like a real dance music, uh, lineup around it. And, uh, I mean, it's kind of, I was like, I want to celebrate the Tulpa release. And I was like, I want to have some merch and like, you know, the, the fuck jams remixes. I was like, let's put this on cassette. Like, yeah. um, I had to find a company that wasn't going to get pissed at me for, you know, using a Britney Spears song. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that one. My, I mean, toxic is like one of the best pop songs of like, you know, in the, within the 20 years that it was written it's in my opinion. And like, 
And I was like, I want to flip this one. Like, you know, pitched it down two steps and stretched it out to like 50 BPM or something stupid like that. And, you know, I ended up with this, I mean, as a joke, I started this and it ended up honestly being kind of one of my favorite flips I've ever done. It's kind of fun when shit like that happens, you know? Absolutely. Something that you think is going to be like absolutely goofy and it ends up being just like something really great. Yeah. Something good comes from it. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's funny, you know, I mean, you look back on previous work and there's always like, ah, oh, fuck, I hate this song or like, or, you know, uh, sometimes, I mean, one, one of the tricks with like finishing a project is like, you got to get up to that 99% point and then let it go. Yeah. Like, because as you approach, like, is it finished or it's finished? You stop caring. Like there's an apathy that sets in and it's like a pre postpartum depression. Yeah. Um, but if you just push it the fuck out the door of course you're going to find a couple things in it. That, For sure. I mean, like the day that we released just the same, like a couple or not just the same, uh, before you go, you know, the first song off of the Tulpa EP, um, I was listening to it and I was like, God damn it. You know, like a couple little things that would only serve to make me feel better. Yeah. Uh, and no <laughs> one would ever notice. And also like, as soon as those got addressed, there'd be two more little things that yeah. are completely inconsequential. Um, I hear you, man. I mean, it can even happen, like, editing these podcasts. I'm just like, I wish I would have done something about that. Yeah. When I'm listening yeah, back. Of and course. It's like, am I going to go yeah. back and fuck with the entire project yeah. to do that thing that nobody else is going to care about except me? <laughs> something that I have to remind myself of a lot, and actually I'm very comfortable with at this point, is music is really fucking disposable, um, especially today. You know, people like, you know, an album drops, like how do people check it out most of the time? They like, you know, if, it, in, if they're excited to hear it, they like put it on their phone, hold it next to their ear and skip around in a song until they hear a moment that they fuck with, you know? I mean, like, I know I do that sometimes and yeah. I hate it. Like, I can see on your face that you do it sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. It's trash the way we listen to music these days. Like, I, I'm just gonna, looking for a part yeah. with no context for the yeah. for the build of it. Oh, completely. Completely. <laughs> just, uh, it's like, well, what's it sound like when the drums are there? Oh, pretty tight. All right. You know, skip next. Let's see. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I heard three words from that rap line. I have no idea what it means, but it sounded cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, music, you know, it's, and then in the electronic, music world is driven so much by dj culture too you want to talk about disposable music i mean i actually heard something interesting like a friend was or no, no some dude i don't know was talking to a, uh, a friend he was like yeah you know i'm trying to like break into the like drum and bass world and this other dude just interrupted he's like you trying to cater to the listeners or to the djs and he was like oh the listeners he's like you're not going anywhere with that shit <laughs> <laughs> and he's fucking right like i mean album craft is a wonderful thing that's deeply important to me and i want to when i when i get excited about a properly crafted album but i mean i feel like i'm in the minority of people that actually really give a shit about that um maybe not you know uh but i mean just look at how music is consumed you know yeah. uh what do you like expand upon like your care for like making an album or like what you're you're talking about well i mean there's definitely like and in my two albums, there's pretty clear themes. Um, like, uh, Fantods is like somewhat anxiety laden, like mushroom trippy, boisterous ass psychedelic beats, you know? Um, and then, you know, moving into television sky, it kind of like started taking shape as this soundtrack in my head to this like movie of neuromancer that I'd been making in my head since I was like, you know, 13 when I first read it and I've, it's like 
probably my favorite book of all time. Um, you know, I've read it a bunch of times. It's like, you know, it, it reads like an action movie. You know, you once it catches you, you sit down, you're done with it in a day or two. Um, yeah. But uh, at least that's my experience with it. But yeah, so I mean, so then there's that. And like, I wanted to hit all these different moods and experiment with all these tempos and styles I'd never done. And then actually to, and then especially as I moved into like more up-tempo stuff, I mean, a big thing for me, well, Ben Tactic became a very good friend of mine, um, especially over the course. Uh, we've known each other since I lived here pretty much, but uh, over the course of like COVID, we just talk all the time. And like, you know, going to uh, spend the night and like, you know, even bubbling events before that, you know, I mean, but like getting out a little bit more often, I was just like, I'm tired of like head nod, boom bap shows. And like, I want to play stuff that like rips on a big system, like yeah. feel the sub bass, get your feet moving, like... Um, or at least nod your head slightly faster. I mean, you, you can only ask for so much in Portland. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I was just like, okay, I, I'm like pushing into, I want to push into this realm. And it was like, it really bridged a gap between like my hip hop stuff. And then like my more, you know, I mean, some of it's like pretty maximal weird, but you know, kind of flirting with club music. I don't know. It feels like it, it maybe like allows for some more in-depth storytelling almost yeah when you're diving into an album that way yeah kind of framing it with you know some some themes or trying to make it flow and for sure thinking about its arcs and especially if you're like arc is a keyword yeah when i'm creating a project yeah Yeah. especially if you're like oh was kind of this book inspired this and yeah i want to like figure out what that world is and you have this entire album to create that world yeah and um I mean, you know, I think after I stopped chasing LP, I started chasing Vangelis, you know, um, uh, and I mean, you know, Blade Runner soundtrack. The first time I saw Blade Runner, I was like, like, this is the coolest music I've ever heard. So the um, cinematic stuff was always like a big love it inspiration yeah. or like something that like stayed for with sure. You. And, you know, I, I mean, I collected a lot of I mean, right right now, uh, I mean, we're surrounded by 15 boxes of records because I'm liquidating a lot of my record collection, but I collected a lot of um, early Moog stuff, early synth stuff, and and early sound, and, you know, and old soundtrack stuff. I mean, shit, like Clockwork Orange, like yeah. the, you know, Funeral March of Queen Mary, that like title track, uh, you know, uh, Wendy Carlos, the, the queen uh, did, you know, I mean, that was just, you know, that was one of those tracks that, you know, really did it for me. And, and, um, and so, you know, I mean, finding that kind of stuff to sample. And I, I mean, you know, when you're doing sample based stuff, like sample what you know, sample what you're passionate about. Like, I mean, there's a million cats out there that have already sampled every cool, like deep cut soul and funk track, you know, but like, you know, I really like prog rock and, and like, you know, synthy movie scores and stuff like that. And that's just what I, what I gravitated towards. Um, but, uh, you know, so then starting to really chase that sound more and getting like, you know, a little bit more comfortable with you know, composition and getting, getting a, a push was really a big thing for me. Cause I'm not, I mean, I'm not a piano guy as much as I want to be. I really lack the discipline to get good at it, unfortunately. But you know, when you got an Ableton push, you can put it into scale mode and then like, you know, make little cluster shapes and figure out really cool okay. sounding chords. And like, that's, that's where, that's how I wrote television sky was just following my ears. Um, yeah, man, I love that record. I think you. that, that like, I think I like that record for all the things you're talking about. It's just like it, it feels pretty cinematic to me and it's easy to like fall into that world. You know, that that tuned into a dead channel track is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like 
I mean, I wrote it with Rachel, who you can hear unlocking the door across the hall right oh, there. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's Rachel from Ghost Beat, also known as Clock. But um, yeah, I mean, that album felt like uh, kind of crossing like my own personal creative Rubicon. Um, like there was no going back after after that album. I'm just I'm just going forward and deeper into every little lane of electronic music that I love, which is pretty much everything. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever settle into making Gabber, but you know, like I kind of want to mess around with all of it. I don't even know what that is. Don't worry about it. <laughs> definitely like gotten deeper into the producer and like electronic world of music it was mm -hmm. it was not like something i was like very hip to until mm -hmm. probably i don't know five years ago or so yeah so, until i started hanging around people like melts yeah, yeah you know and started showing up to like some of these beat maker showcases and started loving that stuff and then starting to do like a little bit of djing on my own has yeah. just completely changed what i listen to regularly totally. and like what i'm interested in and like what i want to like play in dj sets yeah. and like how weird can i get at certain points with also like remembering that i'm i'm playing at a bar like in a lounge a loungy kind of vibe yeah, you know man, and when just i would, like when i would do things. psych record nights at dive bars man i had some room clearers for <laughs> sure <laughs> just like i am punishing you for showing up tonight um but I feel like the you know a big part of being a producer is is learning how to mix as well. Like yeah. those things have to go hand in hand. Is that something that oh, you, yeah. you took to? Did, did that stuff like make sense to you? It started quickly? to once I started listening to people that had been telling me the same thing for forever, which is a great way to make me not do something. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was really like um, Nuri uh, Hobbs from Ghost Feet and like uh, Nuri Erdahl. He's a fantastic mastering engineer. In my opinion, he's the best live sound tech in the city. And it's because he cares and he cares about everything, every genre of music. He's like, I want to make this as pristine as possible. Fantastic mix and mastering engineer, excellent musician, just one of my favorite people in general. I started listening, you know, I mean, I would just be like, okay, how do I do this? Or he'd just be like, hey, like, if you roll off this frequency and then, you know, find this little guy and then, you know, a little saturation up here and like, just, you know, started giving me, giving me these tips and, you know, um, and it just, it changed, changed it all for me. Um, uh, and yeah, Television Sky was the album where I really got into like mixing. And then I listened to the <laughs> record now and I'm like, <laughs> but uh i'm still very pl proud of that album i might i might remix the entire goddamn thing at some point and re-release it but um actually i just 
just did remix one of the tracks because I wanted to throw it into into a a, a set or a, a mix that I'm working on. And um and I was like, where the fuck is the kick drum in this song? It's barely there. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, it's because I rolled off the transient for some reason. That's why it's not punching through anything. And you know, so like little little shit like that that I've learned. And it's just and uh yeah, because I mean the like the 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 way that you do stuff in, you know, making kind of like lo-fi ish. I think that term is so cringy. Um, like sample based stuff, you know, with the like kind of head nod bumpy shit. Um, you know, the way you're, you work with drums in that realm and the way you work with drums in a dance floor realm or couldn't be more different. I mean, there, you know, there's a lot of, there's some stuff that yes, but, um, at least the way I was working with it, you know, and so, I mean, the way that I, the way that I feel about the way that certain things should be present in a mix is just completely different than it was. And then, you know, I've picked up some skills along the way. Yeah. So when you are making something that's, uh, this is something you kind of touched upon before, but like when you are making something that's a dancier vibe, mm -hmm. are you ever thinking about how this is going to play to the room? Yeah, I try not to too much. Like my therapist gave me a great little mantra and it's a process over product like honor the process something will you know get there yeah. uh you know the product will you'll eventually have a dope product um but yeah i mean like i i mean i think a little bit more about what what's gonna move me you know like what's gonna like what you know if i heard this going going off in a club you know what i want to make something for me because like you know people and it's also, it's why I got into like rapping and like, and then making beats, especially because like no one was making the be the exact beats for me that I wanted to rap on. Yeah. No one was really making the exact shit that I wanted to hear. Um, and that's, that's what I'm, I'm chasing my taste and I need to stop saying capturing my imagination because I've said it like 50 times already, <laughs> but like I'm, cha I'm chasing what, like, you know, what makes me go, yeah, you know, like what yeah. perks my ears up. Um, what gets my, my, my like shoulders and hips moving before I even recognize it, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm think, I guess I am thinking about like, what's going to go off in the club, but like, what's going to go off in the club for me, you know? Yeah. And like, so I'm, I'm really influenced by the experiences that I have, you know, hearing a song out that really stands out from like the last five that have been played. And I'm just like, all right, like, okay, so let's like, and it sucks being a musician, especially a producer, because you can't, in the sense that the way you experience music is not pure anymore. It is, you're just like, oh, how can I steal from this? You know, like you're like reverse engineering <laughs> shit in your mind. And like, you know, like if I hear like a weird drum pattern, I'm like picturing it on a grid now, you know, to try and like, to try and figure out like, okay. And if I create that little visual for myself, then I can try and reproduce it when I get home and then, you know, put my twist on it or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it is like, if you're listening too much to the type of music that you make, it's really detrimental. And like, it, it really crushes your ability to, to just experience it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, I mean, it's cool. You still enjoy it just in a different way. You yeah. Know? Is it a conscious effort then to always be listening to different styles of music that, that you would probably not make or. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, and I'm, I'm like really forcing myself to do that more now. Cause I, I, I've, I've listened to, I mean, and I always did, but then in the last, like, I'd say two years, I've just been like really listening to like almost entirely, 
the kind of like, you know, left fieldish electronic music that, that inspires me and that, that I'm trying to learn from, you know? So, I mean, it's like, it's, it's not just a level of enjoyment because that shit really does speak to me, but I mean, I'm studying. Yeah. Uh, you can't turn off the, uh, the analyzing part no. of the brain while you're uh, listening. To not things. at all. Yeah. Uh, but you know, then when I sit down and like put on, I mean, you know, the talk of the town is the, the flute album, the Andre yeah. album, you know, when I sit down <laughs> and listen to that, I'm just, I'm just there, you know, or like if I put on like, you know, evangelist soundtrack or like Harold Budd or, you know, Eno or, or Bowie or whatever, you know, just like whatever the fuck I'm much more just like my mind is a lot more free yeah. to just experience it. Being someone that, uh, fucks with visual art too. Are you like, do you feel like whenever you're making music, there's, there's some sort of like imagery going on for you? It's usually color palettes in my mind. And, uh, yeah, and it usually comes down to like cooler, warm colors. You feel like those color palettes have have changed, kind of from project to project, to, to what you can like even maybe find, if that makes sense. Like, maybe, yeah, song to song, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that's kind of like certain things, and like when I when I actually put the time into like arranging my Ableton projects and making them what I find to be like aesthetically pleasing, it's all it's a lot of like cool colors and kind of like gradients as you go down the tracks and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I definitely have like imagery in mind. I, I very, a lot of times I've got, um, I've got movie scenes in mind or, or like a vibe I caught from like a video game. Like I've got like a very slow going, uh, little project that's just inspired by my experience playing the last of us part two. I'm playing that game right it's now. So good. I never played the second one. I, the first one is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. And it was like $10 on the PlayStation network recently. Oh, and yeah. I was like. I have to do this, and I just started playing it's it. Recently. Such an experience! So I'm like very, very hyped about it. It's been a yeah. while since I've like dove into a one-player game like that. So that's that's how I like to play. I want like a really good story, like a solo experience. Like, yeah. um, man, whoo, that one hits. But <laughs> it's grim. Yeah, it's, oh, you have, bro. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very early on in it, but yeah. like, will you ever just throw on? something and and like turn volume off and and just work to that Does yeah that ever, i throw like, on like sci-fi cartoons okay. a lot um it's almost always cartoons if i throw something on i'll just like you know put that on on my ipad like you know next to my computer monitor and just kind of like take that in passively while i'm while i'm doing my thing shout out scavengers rain like the best television show i've seen in years it's on hbo like it's like mobius come to life it's just some of the most beautiful animation I've seen and like that that is on in the studio lately um, just like kind of on another screen to the side but yeah yeah I mean like and then you know I mean like and then Television Sky I mean like I've you know read that read Neuromancer a bunch of times like I mean there are like songs in that that are just straight up themes for the characters uh, and then then there are ones that are like the moments you know the big yeah. the big set piece moments of that book yeah so I mean I've always got a vibe in mind whether it's like a musical one or just kind of a general aesthetic or a feeling or the way that you know a piece of media perhaps makes me feel you know
So the journey moving forward, where do you feel like you're at? Like, you know, putting this uh, this Tulpa EP out, like as far as, you know, what you were talking about is it's always, the vision has always been in the, the music that you wanted to make has always been in your head. Yeah. Do you feel like you're at a point where you're really getting the stuff out of your head and like into these productions kind of there's definitely stuff that's lost in translation there's definitely stuff that's gained in translation when i'm trying to like get it get it out of the brain and and into the box you know but yeah you know and the and the vision morphs and changes and uh i mean i have uh my process is you know usually like there's a fair amount of magic that happens in the first couple hours of working on a track um and then it's sitting on it for a while a little tinker a little this that listening to it a bunch and then sitting down with the same track and writing a B section, um, you know, a week or two later and then fine tuning it for months. Like I put a lot, I put a lot of time into my tracks for sure. Um, like before you go, I mean, I don't think I've ever worked on a single song as for, I put 50 hours into that song easily. Will it be something where you're working on it, you know, for a couple of days and then you'll, you'll take a, a fair amount of space from it and then revisit sometimes. And then, I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, it's just kind of obsessive, but, you know, always bouncing out a fresh version and, oh, I don't smoke anymore, but, you know, then walking around the block, like with it in my headphones and smoking a couple cigarettes and like <laughs> making a bunch of notes about like little, little, little edits I need to make or like, okay, you know, this needs to come down or like, let's create a little moment here that isolates something and, you know, kind of puts it in the spotlight or yeah. So there's that. And then, but also like, I mean, I, a lot of times I'll go up open, I'll open you know, every project that I've worked on in the last, in the last week in a day and like put 20 minutes of work into each one and be like, okay, well, you know, we did a little something here and yeah. things just take a while to marinate for me. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I watch some of my friends that can just like microwave a track. Um, and it's like the illest shit, you know, I mean, <laughs> like sitting down watching Meltzer work is insane. Sitting down watching Omari work is insane. Like, uh, been like 10 minutes and they're like, I made a beat. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's not, that's not me. Maybe it will be at some point, but, um, I mean, I just like to, yeah, I, I put a lot of, a lot of care and intention in the, into what I'm doing these days musically. feel like you unlocked for yourself creatively in the midst of uh, making this collection of tunes let's see i mean like i was always a big fan of like two-parter songs uh like b sections and then like kind of yeah i mean what i'm doing you know is just really enjoying every flavor of club music these days i mean like well the stuff except for electro swing like yeah if you're playing fucking saxophone over a bass music man i don't know what to tell you but um <laughs> 
I'll remember that for my <laughs> DJ sets. <laughs> but uh, I have to go into the library and make sure there's none of that going on. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and just like, and just kind of like picking all the little styles I do, thinking about how those BPMs relate to each other, and like just the same as like me packing three genres into one song. Like yeah. there's kind of like a like a weird like bass music trap thing in the middle. It's like break beat but kind of garage inspired at the beginning and then at the end it's just straight up techno um and it's you know it's like all all three of these tracks are at 130 bpm i i see myself going forward as like i'm working on i want to continue to you know i want to i'm like slowly kind of seeing a vision for the next album as far as like okay these are album cuts you know and like yeah. and and it's it they're they're in a cohesive sonic palette and like um uh but then, um, and I'm just kind of taking that as it goes. Like, you know, if I make a little thing and it doesn't kind of fit in with like whatever kind of my next thing is, like my, my like BPM or rhythm fixation is at the moment, it just yeah. kind of goes, it kind of sits back there to like collect with the other stuff that's like, you know, kind of more of like a story arc, uh, you know, full length. And then what I see myself doing going forward for a while, I think, um, I mean, unfortunately, the way that, you know, streaming algorithms work, it's, you got to just pump out singles, you know, and then the waterfall single is a very good strategy. And then, so I'm seeing myself kind of releasing like three to five song EPs with like, you know, a waterfall release, two singles, and then the whole thing. And just kind of on like whatever, you know, genre I'm kind of vibing on uh, at, at the time. But, you know, I mean, I'm building, I'm building a lot of these tracks around the same time, but as you know, they all kind of marinate different times and like yeah. this this 130 ep was just the stuff that was the most ready and i felt the i felt i felt the, the strongest about too with like what i really wanted to put out yeah. um you felt like they belong together yeah for sure um and then you know i was playing them for Corey and uh cory haynes uh he he started stylus records you know um, great label um put it really started some great careers too with that label um and he's i've known him since i moved here we moved to town right around the same time and uh but, you know we've become better friends lately and um and you know i was playing him some stuff and i was like would you want to put this out he's like yeah i would like i would dj all these tunes like yeah man um, i've uh i've added them to my dj libraries from this mm -hmm. this tool pp for sure it's yeah there's yeah, been some killer, great stuff dude. that's come out on stylus for sure it's um yeah and he's just good at the stuff that makes me want to walk into the ocean you know um like the kind of just like managing the media and release and just organizing the online presence and and i've got a lot of work to go on that but like and just like making the connections and just being like just like just i just need a little push over the line like sometimes with, yeah um it's nice when you get to maybe just focus on making the making the music too yeah. and not having to stress out about the other stuff yeah I, quite as much and that's one of the things I think that keeps me from finishing things or has kept me from finishing things for a long time is thinking is just dreading the like, oh, now I've got to sell it. Somehow, yeah. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you got to uh, promote it. And yeah. Figure out what the, the right strategy is to, to sharing it. Yeah. And, and like, I still haven't figured that out. Um, 
because that's the unfun part of of making music like uh like you 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 pour your soul into something and then it's like all right time to commodify it yeah. you know it's yeah. just like come on man like <laughs> this is not what i got into this for yeah what do you like about having something that like all sits at the same bpm do you feel like that just makes it like more cohesive in some way or i think for a short project like an ep it's just it kind of gives it a focus that i'm interested in um especially as i'm just moving you know as i'm like really finding my footing in, in club music it's yeah. like cool like um machine drum huge i mean like goat you know just like all-time favorite musician like one of them for sure and like you know, I, I would look at like how he would do his lps and like uh you know vapor or uh rooms uh was kind of like a you know his his take on footwork and then and then uh, vapor city following it like just two masterpieces in a row uh was you know kind of a take on jungle and and then human energy was this wild record not necessarily my favorite but like it was just these tracks that just built and built and built and built and then disappeared you know and and that was like that was a theme throughout the whole album and like so thinking about that and being like all right so like i'm putting my like just like i liked how he he would put his stamp on a certain style and kind of get you know get a little fixated on on a vibe and then be like all right i'm gonna explore this and until I get sick of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think doing that for like a focused EP is kind of, is a vibe. I like that. It, like it kind of shows like a chapter of your, or like a little a little room of, of your, um, you know, of what you're exploring, I guess, you know, what's going on in your head. You don't have to worry about creating that arc as much either. That's also true. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested in creating arcs within songs though, which I, I think uh, the Tulpa EP showcases for sure. Absolutely, um, dude. It's, yeah. All three of those tracks are so good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's really dope. May of 2011. Okay. Yeah. All right. You've been here so, a while. Yeah, I have. Like, I think I, sh I showed up on the day that uh, Portland, Port old Portland was just coughing out its final breath. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so were you uh, friends with Kip before he started Thirsty City? Uh, n had met Kip, like, um, but... Yeah, I mean, we 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 became friends like kind of as Thirsty City was growing, and then like, I mean, Thirsty City has been amazing for me, you know, um, uh, as a participant and fan and attendant. And then when he was moving to Germany, I was like, well, what the hell is happening with Thirsty yeah. City? He's like, I don't know, 
it's had a good five years. Like, I was like, nope, you know? And he's like, well, you want to run it? I was like, I will. Like, I don't, but I will. And he was like, well, you know, I was like, okay, let's get some people together to kind of divvy it up. And I just like kind of took, took a leadership position on it and then, you know, ran it and, and, uh, really enjoyed it. And then, you know, uh, then COVID shut everything down and, yeah, you know, and then during, during like before we got back into a regular monthly home, um, you know, I did like a couple of the picnics and I felt like, you know, I kind of like just tapped in and grew, grew the night with the community a little bit and got some good engagement and then also started spreading it out musically uh, a bit um you know because you know it started as like beat scene uh shit you know it was definitely like yeah you know inspired by like stop biting up in seattle low end and you know in la um you know and then my interests are always you know a little bit wider and, and he he said like all right man when i come back from germany this better not be a techno party and you know and i was like it might be <laughs> but, you know i mean like all the like all the portland like beat maker kids now are like are just getting further and further into exploring all of it you know i mean like yeah. i feel like like portland footwork is kind of becoming a thing like you know this stuff like avi and Meltzer and and you know omari and 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 kevin nagel and and kokio like i hear all these cats like making some wild footwork and drum and bass stuff these days and like now we're all, they're all getting into the 130 and the breakbeat and the techno and like <laughs> and it's like hell yeah um and like so yeah i mean we've really really opened way up with thirsty city to like just really di stylistically diverse lineups um yeah, I think that's what's going to keep everybody inspired too, you know? Yeah, Not for sure. through something like similar mm -hmm. every set. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that's just a good way for you to yeah. stay connected and yeah, get exposed. Sure. Like you're constantly being put on or searching for new people too yeah. to, to help put on. Yeah, yeah. I definitely left out a lot of names just there when I was listing some people off with people that are like branching out and making really cool shit. It's just what, what popped into mind. There's a lot of know? people making great music here. <laughs> I miss the motherfucking blog era. I feel like if the blog era were still a thing, Portland's producer scene would be on the map. We have an outrageous amount of talent in this city. Um, Absolutely. Like the the god there's so many good beat makers here it's ridiculous but yeah i feel like we'd like this city would be making making waves a little bit if the if blogs were popping like they used to be how different is it for you when you're uh collaborating on a track versus making one on your own do you feel like that approach is a lot different very and you know i mean like sometimes you hit a vibe with someone and it just flows you know yeah um other times uh, it doesn't. And, and then sometimes you kind of got to fight for it, you know, uh, you're like, all right, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to make this work. But yeah, I mean, like I, I love collabing with people. It's really fun. And even if it's, I mean, I think an important thing to bear in mind is like the process, like we're here to have a good time, you know? Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, and, and making art is a very personal and vulnerable thing. I think if you're doing it right. And, um, and sometimes inviting someone into that process is tricky, you know, and it depends on what kind of mood everyone's in that day. Right, right. And, and, uh, you know, just the general vibe and like, there's a lot of X factors in that that are more than just like, we're putting two people in the same room, yeah. you know? Has there been a lot of times where it's, uh, 
maybe within that collaboration, you show somebody something that you maybe don't think is like hits and Mm -hmm. they're just like, no dude, like you have to, you have to keep chasing this. That's, that's, yeah, it's happened a handful of times for sure. There are a couple tracks on television sky that I almost abandoned that people were like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But yeah. And then there's, there's a bunch of stuff in my project folders that I've been like, "Ah, I don't know. And they're like, dude, finish this. What the hell are you, what the hell are you talking about? So yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're our own worst, worst, worst critics all the time. Seems like you're always absorbing too. Like if you're going to sit in the room with somebody, you're, you're really like taking in how they how they work and yeah. that's going to infect your process probably in some yes way. Yes or no. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a control freak sometimes and like, and, uh, and I'm like, no, 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 we're, we're doing it this way. Or sometimes I'll just see a way that someone does something differently than me. And for some reason I just get like irrationally irritated by it. I'm like, <laughs> no, like absolutely not. You know, we're not putting every single different drum sound in a different in a separate lane on a different sampler throw that shit in drum rack and separate it later like let's look at it all at once so we can just like bah, 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 fill it in but um uh, that's like a specific argument that i got into with my boy joe Mousepad multiple times um thinking about like all the tools that you have at your hands as a producer to create music is it ever important for you to put like creative parameters on things when you're going to be very helpful. Things. It's something I loved dearly about working uh, when I got an OP one and I just worked strictly in that thing for a while and it's very limited and it, yeah, it creates focus um, for sure. I mean, I've got like too many options. Like I'm, I mean, I was a sucker for gear for a while and I was buying way too much shit and now I'm selling a bunch of it off, but I'm like hopelessly addicted to buying new plugins and it's just, it's absurd. <laughs> um, and it creates, it creates the same problem I have with my gear, you know, um, it's just like now I have to learn all this shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'm kind of trying to do with a couple, couple joints and like, you know, some directions I'm taking is like, I mean, I've got like. I've got a couple things that I'm working on where I'm just like, all right, just drums in this one VST, like, um, and it's like Focion. It's a, it's a 303 emulator that's fantastic, and um, and uh, so I'm just like just doing that, like those two, and then you know mixing it with whatever mixing plugins I want. But like as far as the writing, like we're just doing like some you know mutilated breaks and and loops and stuff, and and then like programmed shit, and that's that's it, and then this one soft synth. Um, and I think, I think that creative limitations yield, yield great, great fruit, you know? Um, and if you, you know, if you want to flesh it out more later, but like to get, get ideas out, like, yeah, put some parameters on yourself for sure. Yeah. I know that your, uh, your relationship with alcohol has changed quite a bit this past year. Yes, it has. I'm curious how you feel like that has, uh, changed your maybe relationship with creating or workflow or yeah. you know like what you notice in that because i i feel like some people like f- can fall into the trap that like oh if i'm not like boozing i'm not gonna be creative or like if, mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm not doing certain drugs i'm not gonna like be able to tap into the thing or yeah. whatever you know like the the sober mind isn't going to do it so mm-hmm. what what has that experience been like for you um great like uh I am, I don't work on music late at night as much. Um, so I'm not like up till 6am, like with a, you know, with, with a pile of empty, you know, beer cans and a, and a bottle of Fernet that's, you know, half full after I bought it that day. (laughs) Um, and like, you know, and now I wake up and I want to make music in the morning, you know? Um, 
And I think that like, there's a lot of creative honesty that comes if you wake up and start creating instead of consuming, uh, like really, really try and limit to varying degrees of success, try and limit how much information I take in, uh, especially on a day when I wake up and I just kind of want to fuck around in the studio. You know, sometimes I wake up with a tune in my head and I'm like, Oh yeah, that kick pattern in that tune is pretty tight. And I'll just go turn things on and like try and recreate that kick pattern and end up with something completely different always. But you know, it's like, it's, it's that. So, um, yeah, my focus is there. Like the writing without the like bravado that comes with drinking is, uh, is a lot more honest in my opinion. And like, you know, you kind of got to find your footing cause you're replacing a false confidence that's, you know, propped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just changing the relationship with alcohol was just something that, uh, came very naturally. I've been bartending for like 18 years and, um, and yeah, I mean, as I was saying earlier, like before we started recording, I've, I've had enough to drink for a couple of lifetimes, yeah. I think. And it was just ooh, diminishing returns. I mean, my a homie of mine said, you know, as I was talking to him about all these changes I made, he's like, yeah, well, you're not one of those people that skipped your thirties, you know, like some people settle down. And I was like, bro, I mean, I might have, cause I kind of did my twenties twice, oh, you know, <laughs> like, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, it was just time and it's, 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 yeah. I mean, like I was, I just wanted to like establish a new baseline and it started like January 1st. Uh, uh, not even in the like, Oh, we're doing the new year's cleanup, but I had had like one shot after my new year's Eve shift and I hadn't had any liquor for a couple months before then. Cause it was just punishing me and, um, it gave me a headache immediately. And I was like, fuck this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I'm not like a, not a drop. I like test cocktails that I make and you know, I'll like, I'll, you know, like straw test a new spirit or like have like a little two ounce pour of a beer once a month or so. Like if I'm trying or, you know, taste something yeah. new, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean the, this level of self-control that it takes to have zero drinks is like 0.01% of the effort it takes to stop it too, is what I find. Yeah. So yeah. And like only good things come from less alcohol in your life. Yeah, and it's nice that it's had like a positive impact on your yeah. your workflow and yeah. changed your relationship with a little bit. I'm sure you uh <clears throat> you wake up knowing what you actually were working on. Yeah, and not <laughs> feeling like shit. Yeah, you know? like like no no beer or cocktail to me tastes as good as like waking up not hungover feels. Yeah, thinking back to when you first got into producing mm-hmm. to where you're at now, fresh off this new EP. Um, where do you feel like you see the most growth in the the way you're thinking about things creatively or just kind of anywhere in that I don't realm? I think I could pick an aspect of that that I don't see a huge amount of growth in. Yeah, it'd be hard to pick like the one. Yeah. Um, you know, mixing technique, confidence, patience, um, composition, uh, sound design, uh, drum programming, multifaceted producing as far as like just being, being comfortable with trying any BPM, any, any genre, any style. Um, um, and somehow whatever I make always kind of comes out sounding like me, you know, um, which I'm very proud of. I mean, I, but I really, really found my true voice at 38 years old. That's how I feel. I definitely like had my style when I was doing the, the sample based shit. Um, and like just doing the like weirdo rap beats, but, um, but like, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I stepped into my, my real artistic voice, you know, 38 years old and it feels great.
Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish I had these chops 10 years ago when like, you know, it was 2012 and producers were running around, like killing the electronic music scene. Cats that were playing all original music and like, you know, I mean like that low end theory peak time yeah. and, um, but you know, I mean like whatever I'm making what I'm making now and I like it. So yeah. that's cool. Like, I think, uh, things happen at the right time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was probably, even if I was making the kind of music I was, which might've garnered a little bit more attention in that day. Uh, um, just, you know, with the blogs and all the thing and just where the scene was at. Um, I wasn't in a space of like emotional maturity or like lifestyle where like, yeah, I could have handled even a modicum of success. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think about like my, you know, the bands of my late teens, early twenties yeah. and how bad I wanted us to like be rock stars and shit and how, yeah. I w- how poorly I would have mishandled any sort of like success like that. I'm just like, yeah. no, you're, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I love the music. Thank you. And yeah, especially this new, this new EP, like all of these, all of these tracks will be going in my DJ library for sure. Appreciate it. For Appreciate sure. It. And, and like, I don't know, you know, some of those, those loungier, um, more chill stuff, you know, you can, you can throw the, the sky yeah. stuff in there too. There's, there's a lot yeah. to, there's a lot of, lot of, um, lot to pick from. Oh, I could, I could toss you a couple, couple, uh, whips every now and then too, you know, Hell yeah. um, just give you a taste of what I'm, what I'm working on. Like yeah. I'm gonna, um, and you know, there'll be a little, little, uh, mix in this episode of, of some, uh, other stuff that I've kind of got in the works. Um, so yeah, get we're a little preview of some yeah. future releases. We're getting a little exclusive Slurgeon mix to to play this episode out. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so uh, people can keep up with you. I'll put the Great. Thirsty City link in there as well. And then if you're listening to this the day that it comes out, which is tomorrow, uh, the day after that, uh, on Wednesday the 28th, I don't know. That uh, sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, we'll be at the Goodfoot with a um, kind of bass music focused Thirsty City, which is kind of a first. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program and it means absolutely nothing. It's just the way my grandfather says the news program or any sort of pro- program. I cannot not pay attention to it now when he does it whenever i'm around he's just like so what is the uh the school program that you're uh you're you're going into right now i don't know what it's about uh but like i said it means nothing it's just a, a goofy way to end the show so if we can get the slurge in it's a program we can properly sail this thing out oh this is slurging and it's a program you know that everybody that's slurging check out the music all the links are in the episode notes uh and we're gonna play it out with uh, this mix uh, that he made and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from cool man be easy tell me what i did last night i came home say around a quarter to three still so high hypnotized from his body soaked but a red crown and tantalizing you would have thought i needed help from this feeling that i felt so shook i had to catch my breath
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing. Don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my Instagram bio. 30% off your first year membership with DistroKid, helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be. Stay up, stay tuned.